Hello and welcome to this episode. I will probably do a future episode with a guest to discuss the topic of men being trapped in toxic and abusive relationships and I think I'm just going to get straight in. So in terms of statistics, around 60% of us stay in bad relationships that we don't find fulfilling at all, that's according to the Daily Mail. Studies also show that men are just as likely as women to be abused emotionally. Nearly 50% of men and women reported psychological aggression. That's courtesy of mental, uh, <laughs> mentalhelp.com. Uh, I think I'm going to start this episode just by getting straight into my personal story. I am going to keep names anonymous for people's privacy and out of respect. Also, this is not every aspect of abuse that went on during the relationship. Um, simply put, there was sort of too much to contain in a one-hour episode. I will try and cover as much as I can, and I really hope it helps. And at the end, I'll have a little go at trying to answer some of the incredible questions that you guys have sent in. So to start off, this was my first serious relationship. I'd really valued the idea of waiting for the right person. I did have quite a long list of, you know, you could say I was, I was quite picky, but I had quite a long list of things that I was looking for in someone else. And for that reason, I didn't sort of have a stage where I just went around dating. It was more me waiting and seeing who would be most suitable, you know, um, for that and as a Christian things such as purity and chastity and keeping myself just for one person really appealed to me and that's not to say that I don't respect and um you know I I, I think if, if it's, it's entirely your decision what you do with your body but that was my personal decision um and for that reason being in a relationship was something that I saw as really important really I don't know, yeah, really sort of important. I wanted to hold out for the right one. Um, so this relationship was my first serious relationship and it started off incredibly well. We would meet up, um, have a really lovely day, um, have a really nice sort of dinner um, and then say goodbye and then we'd video call the next day. And the only thing early on that I really noticed being an issue or something that could have been an issue was the fact that we were talking a lot now, being my first relationship, I didn't think that this was particularly a red flag. We were talking about six to ten hours a day some days. I thought that was normal. And um, the my, my girlfriend at the time, she did say as well that, that this is how it should be. This is how boyfriends should treat girlfriends and things like that. And I truly believe that. Um, so that was the first sort of red flag because it was it, there were times when I wanted to go out and see friends. And I just didn't have time because I'd been video calling the whole night before. Um, there were times my screen time would get up to 18 to 20 hours a day, um, which meant that, again, my work suffered um, and my grade actually did go down. Um, yeah, my grades did actually go down um, due to the amount of time I was spending with this girl. Um, I would say the first major sign was when I met her family. Uh, now her dad was incredibly controlling, um, incredibly toxic himself, and there were certain words that I wasn't allowed to say 
when I went into their house. There were certain things I had to do when I went in the house, which was uh, not interrupt him while he was speaking in any way. I wasn't allowed to speak um, sort of around the areas he was speaking about. I had to wait a little bit before I could speak. And I also wasn't allowed to have an opinion that disagreed with his. I had to agree with everything he said. Um, they also had a very aggressive and territorial dog. It was a French Mastiff. And now I love dogs. I absolutely adore dogs. Um, and despite that, though, this, this dog was an absolute devil. It, was, it, it, it had bitten people in the past. It jumped up at a police officer in the past. And yes, the, the, the police had been called to the house a few times in the past. Um, this dog was kept in the kitchen whenever I was around their house, and in all serious, in all seriousness, though, um, there were times it almost got in, and I felt incredibly scared. Um, you've got to imagine this is a again French Mastiff, probably two, maybe two feet in the air, for like really muscular, and if that got its jaws around around any part of your body, your arm, your leg, you you'd probably be looking at a few broken bones, a lot of blood and not a very nice trip to A&E. So I definitely felt like when I was around the house, like I said, the dog was, there was times when it was banging on the door, they were just, the family were just laughing. The brother would make a joke like, oh, if he comes in, he'll bite your arm or things like that, which to them may have seemed funny, but to me, I felt very undervalued. I felt like they didn't really care what happened to me. If the dog did break in or didn't, they wouldn't really care. Around two or three months into the relationship, um, at the time, I had a very, very close friend, um, someone who I confided in, someone who I felt that I could talk to, um, someone who, you know, I, again, just had a great band with and, and they were a really good friend. And they helped me through um, some pretty, you know, difficult times. And luckily, I'm, I'm very thankful I have been able to reconcile, um, reconcile sort of with them um, since, but... Yeah, what effectively happened was she didn't like my, my friend. Um, she'd never met him. She'd never even talked to him. Um, but she she didn't like him. And throughout the day, every single day, she would plant little seeds of doubt in my head. She would say things like, oh, he did that, he's not a great friend. Oh, why has he done that to you? He doesn't care about you. Oh, he's psycho, he did that. Really outlandish comments which didn't have any evidence attached but because I was spending so much time with her I really was getting convinced over time I was believing her lies and toxic people are very intentional and very malicious they're very spiteful she knew exactly what she was doing she knew that the more time I spent with her the more I would almost be beholden to her spell the more I would be obsessed with her and it got to the point now I'm not the sort of person to ever block anyone I'm very forgiving um, I feel anyway but um, I, I, I blocked him and, and, and said to him I, I don't want to be your friend anymore I've never had to do that in the past um, she actually wrote the text message that I sent to him he wanted to meet up in person to discuss things which obviously I think would have helped massively um, but yeah, effectively, I blocked, I blocked him, um, and 
we didn't have any contact for about five months. She definitely saw him as a threat. I think she thought that he would say things against the relationship and try and break us up, when in reality, all he ever was was supportive um, and, and a good friend. Um, after that, my suspicions were definitely raised, but I was too far in at this point. I was definitely blinded, and a lot of people tried to give advice at the time, saying, this is weird, this is wrong, um, this isn't you, you know, this, this, is, this, is your, this is your girlfriend really badly influencing you. Um, again, I didn't think anything of it. I started to see those things as threats, um, which sort of showed how the toll of being in a relationship, the toll it was taking. Um, a time moved on, and then I guess the next big thing to happen was actually a real erosion of sort of where my morals and things like that were before the relationship. So again, I have always been someone that, again, has valued sort of um, keeping myself for that one person um, after marriage, you know. So there were times, um, I definitely think, we, we've, so, for example, sorry, yeah, again, like there are times when I may um, just find it difficult to articulate certain things because, again, obviously it does bring, you know, flashbacks, but I definitely think I need to be as open and frank, you know, as possible because I, I, I really hope this does help a lot of people, but... There was one time we were on video call and she did something um, that meant that the relationship, I guess, became sexual in a way. And I never asked for it. I never, um, I never particularly consented. And I think I just thought nothing of it. I thought, well, this is, this must be normal. This must be normal in, in a relationship. Like, I'm a man, I, I don't need to ask for consent. Um, but what I have to say is, is uh, if there's any guys listening and they've experienced something similar, um, you can definitely be a victim of, of sexual abuse and harassment. It doesn't just work male to female. If you ever feel uncomfortable, not in the mood, or you just feel like you don't want to do something, that's completely fine. And you should always have the option to say no. Now, there were certain times during this relationship when I don't feel like I was given that option. I feel like it was very much um, against what I wanted. I felt like there were times when she almost forced herself on me, when um, it was in very sort of I just really, really wasn't in the mood. I was in a bad place, but perhaps sort of depressed, really down. And she would um, start things. She would, um, again, make sort of encroaches, which I never asked for. And again, I guess I guess in a way that is sexual harassment, that is grooming. Um, there are times I felt very much like an object, sort of an object for her pleasure. And, and it's very demeaning, it's very emasculating. Um, and certainly, I think there are definitely strong signs of sexual abuse. And again, as the statistics show, men almost suffer the same level of domestic abuse, um, psychological abuse as women. They just don't report it anywhere near as much. And I really want to make it clear that whatever kind of abuse you're suffering is valid. You have suffered it. Don't let anyone tell you that, that it's not abuse. Don't let anyone tell you... Um, things that make you doubt your experiences. You know your own experiences. You're not making them up. And 
you need to you need to know that you need to get help you know for those things and I hope that listening to sort of my experiences can 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 bring some kind of healing to let you know that you're not the only person who's going through a toxic relationship um there's actually quite a lot of people who've been through toxic relationships and you know we although it is probably the worst thing that I've been through it's given me such an insight into things to do with mental health um but yeah sort of time went on and what I realized was that she started very much um, taking control in terms of uttering almost curse-like statements over me things such as you'll never find someone better than me um you're not the boyfriend you were four months ago really demeaning things that really sort of got to me things such as again um I don't need you um uh, um if you were someone else I'd break up with you if you did this if you did that I'll break up with you really sort of toxic things um and what I noticed around this time this was probably three or four months in still very early early doors um we would be constantly having arguments now it's normal in a healthy relationship even to have disagreements over things but if you're having arguments almost every single day and it's getting to the point where you're actually having to count the days you're not having an argument in a week then there's a serious problem and what she would do she would make me feel really guilty and then not talk to me for a whole day uh, she would almost disappear for a whole day and post things on a story about um, loving yourself and being in control of yourself, things that would really make me worried and actually I'd literally be crying the whole day. I would feel like I, I, I genuinely, before this relationship, probably only cried once a year. But I was, I was crying almost every day. And that's when the mental health started to spiral. Um, she would then accuse me of not trying to reach out and message her but the reason I didn't was because I was generally sort of scared of, and paranoid of her at this point. I didn't want a message because I thought, well, it's just going to be another full day of arguing. Uh, it was also around this time that my family and her family met up for the first time as a big group. And one of my family members, she accused him of ignoring her. Um, despite the fact that he was looking after a small child and he had to sort out things such as a parking ticket, he'd made a really long journey to try and get there. Um, and she expected him to come with sort of open arms, I guess with a present, to, to go over straight over to her and talk to her. And that, of course, did not happen because that's not usual, that's not realistic. It's also important to note that she didn't say a word during this whole encounter. She got so annoyed... Um, at my my family member that she told her dad that he had ignored her and her dad then proceeded to try and find my family member's phone number so that he could berate him, swear at him, insult him and tell him what he thought of him. After this point, after this one chance meeting, she hated my family, that, that individual, she hated him and she was trying to force me against him. She was trying to tell me that he was uh, a bad um, influence, that he was a horrible person. And every time, thankfully, you know, I did stand up for him. Um, but there were times when I really started to believe what she was saying and that was really, really horrible feeling. Um, and again, sort of time went on 
and things just sort of got worse. I, she didn't like me doing anything on my own, so she didn't like me doing any worship on my own, any Bible study on my own, really integral things to my personality and my identity as a Christian um, she saw as a threat. Um, there were also uh, occasions where I'd go out and meet friends, I guess really sort of, for me, there were, it was, those moments were, were lifelines. When I when I got out of the house, went to see friends, I didn't have to talk to her. I almost saw them as escape, escape routes. I would go out and see friends and maybe I'd run over a bit and I'd, I'd tell her that I'd be back at three, but the, the, it would run over into about four, maybe. I'll get back home and I'll just get accused of not texting her when I was out, of not messaging her when I was out seeing my friends. I'd get accused of not caring, not being committed to her. Um, really, really demeaning things again that made me feel really guilty leaving the house. I felt really, I felt like if I left the house to see friends, I was being a bad boyfriend. And effectively, her whole plan as a toxic partner was to get me away from anything else that took my time. It was to get me away from the things that I enjoyed doing. The things that when I was single meant so much to me, such as hobbies, my faith, my friends. And every time that she got rid of another thing, another hobby, another friend, it really did increase her influence over me and her control over me. And that's a sign to look out for if you're in a toxic relationship. How many of the things that you used to enjoy and used to love doing, how many of those things are still intact? And how many of those things have been sort of removed from your life. They're no longer a big thing to you. They're no longer important to you. It's an important question to ponder. As time went on further, things, like I said, just got worse and worse. My mental health really deteriorated. I had never really considered things such as self-harm, suicide, suicidal thoughts, depression, anxiety beforehand. Mental health for me simply because I'd had a very sheltered and privileged upbringing, had never really been a problem. However, in the relationship, there was one particular time, I won't go into detail, but there's one particular time when, um, oh, I think, uh, to be fair, I think it is important to give to give a bit of context here. There's one particular time when the dog um, pretty much broke down the kitchen door. The kitchen door had locks in it, but the dog was so aggressive and territorial he could sort of smell my scent he broke down the kitchen door and almost got into the living room while my obviously uh, toxic partner at the time had to while she was sitting against the door to make sure the dog didn't get in one of her brothers had to get out of the window go back in through the front door and make and 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 drag the dog the the, the wailing barking scratching dog back to the kitchen now this experience made me feel even more undervalued not undervalued it made me feel even more not cared about and and even more like I was just a discardable item they don't like if the dog bit me I genuinely thought that would probably get rid of me rather than rather than the dog um, so I questioned her about this and I said listen I, I think this is a real problem I don't think this is healthy. I don't feel comfortable in your home. I don't feel safe. Is there any way the dog can go in the garden? And her parents would respond with, no, that's not an option. 
it's our way or no way, effectively. And I felt like I was always treading on thin ice. And there's certain things that her dad always expected as well. And at the time they were getting to me, things like if we were out walking on a road, I would always have to stand on the side of the road so that if a car came, it would hit me and not her, things like that. Um, which, I mean, a lot of people could take that as really cute, I guess. Um, just a nice sort of touch. But in a way, I thought, again, it's almost saying, I guess because I'm, because I'm a man and I'm not related to that family, that if I died or not, I wouldn't really care. They wouldn't really care. They wouldn't really matter to them at all. Anyway, so so this particular night, I, I, I questioned her on these things. She responded with, I hate you. I never want to see you again. And she didn't send anything else after that. And I was at the end of my tether. I'd basically reached such a low point that I had such vivid suicidal thoughts. I'd, I'd planned things. I was planning things out in my head extremely vividly, methodically. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and then I'm going to do that. I was stuck in a awful sort of panic attack. I was shaking, shivering, not in control of my breathing. I was skipping breaths a lot. Again, it felt like I was suffocating. My my neck sort of closed up. My heart had a really sort of burning sort of pain. And there were times I did sort of feel like, I guess I was having a heart attack. I was under immense stress. For about three or four hours, I couldn't move. I was stuck in the fetal position on my bed. And I felt like I had nothing to turn to, nowhere to go. I'd lost all my friends. I didn't want to, again, I was starting to be pulled away from my family, so I couldn't contact anyone. She was my only line of contact. And at the same time as well, something I'd never done before, something I've never done since, I actually did self-harm in that moment. Um, it, it felt like someone else was doing it. It didn't feel like I made that decision. But effectively, um, the whole reason or, or, or trying to make sense of it all this all this time after is is what I, the reason I probably did that is because I felt like there was nothing else to do. I, I hated and loathed myself so much because of what things she had said and, and I felt like such an awful boyfriend that I hated myself so much that that's 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 the path I took. Instead of supporting me, like any partner should, instead of supporting me and trying to help me, she blamed me and said that I was being unstable, that I wouldn't make a good husband, that I was putting her at risk, that I was spiting her by doing those things. And um, that's, that's literally the worst response you can have to someone going through extreme pain and mental suffering. Um, the way the relationship actually ended was, was quite soon after that. And uh, she sort of said to me, she, 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 I, I, I actually brought to her some of the things that, that weren't going, that, that I didn't think were going well. I guess that's an understatement, but I, I did actually say, um, listen, I, I think it's really wrong that you said these things about this, this particular family member, going back to that story. Um, we actually, I actually sort of visited him and, and you know, his his kids and, and we had a really lovely day and I saw how much of a caring, uh, gentle and, and loving, you know, person he was. And that sort of really shook me. It really shocked me. And I thought, how have I been having these hateful thoughts about him that she has put in my head 
when this is what, do you see what I mean? This is what the reality is. It's entirely different to what, to the lies and deception that she's put in my head. Um, so that night I, I did confront her and I said, listen, this is wrong. I, I disagree. She went mental. She went absolutely mental and questioned my commitment. She said that my family had been um, controlling me, that my mum had been controlling me, trying to change my mind, trying to force me against her. And she effectively gave me the choice. She said, it's me or this family member. And I chose a family member. And I'm, I guess in a little way, I'm sort of proud of myself for that because I really did dodge a bullet. Uh, marriage had, 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 from the start, from her side of things, she, I mean, she said, first two weeks, I didn't really see her in person, um, probably until a month in, but the first two weeks, she, she'd already said, I'd love you, I love you. And she every day she was trying to, bring up marriage and and marriage Pinterest boards and things like that and yeah in a way very much again I felt very much objectified I felt like I was just there to be the husband I was just there to be part of her perfect life I guess um but yeah she she effectively said it's me or that family member and, and I chose the family member and um she effectively said, okay, she she went mental and she said, that's it. Um, but it, it doesn't finish there. It doesn't finish there. So after that, um, I then found that she'd hacked into my Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, and I'm pretty sure my emails as well. Um, the reason, the way she got all those passwords was because previously, um, I, again, made the really stupid decision. Well, it, it was sort of a decision that she brought up. I initially fought against and then sort of succumbed to. Um, she, she wanted us to have joint bank accounts. And she actually made a few transactions on things such as my Etsy account from my account. Um, so she sort of asked for the password. Again, I was a bit hesitant, didn't want to give it. And then over period of time over many days of her asking and asking and asking and asking uh, and then questioning why I wasn't giving it to her, questioning me of wanting to keep things from her. I just fell in, I just I just gave in, I caved, I gave up and just gave her the password. Um, so she actually did make transactions off my account. Um, my password for, I, I, I made the mistake of using very similar passwords across the board so she would routinely I only knew this after, but she would routinely check my Instagram, check my messages, unsend messages, send spiteful messages to people. She would hack into my Facebook, see who I'm following, hack into my Snapchat, see my messages there. And I have proof of this because I got a lot of login attempts, especially towards the end, um, all at once from her address, from the devices that she had, both her laptop and phone. And... Yeah, it was incredibly weird and I had to delete Instagram, I had to delete Facebook, still don't have Facebook, obviously I've got Instagram back after this time, but I still feel sense of, I still feel a sense of paranoia when I'm online. I don't think I'll ever have a public account because I don't I it's a feeling of someone looking over your shoulder and someone who very much is well, it's cyber stalking. It's it's a crime, but unfortunately, like I said, um, 
the the abuse generator was so bad i i wouldn't even bother pursuing it because i don't want to see or hear from this individual ever ever again um i think as well another thing that happened at this time um earlier on in the relationship she wanted a lot of control so she would always pester me and say i want to do this essay for you i want to do this for you she wanted to effectively like i said control every area of my life even my working life even my education things like that and i caved again common theme here seeing repetition um i caved into her pressure and she did one of my essays for me um and at the end she said well i'm going to i've got all this evidence of me writing this essay for you of you cheating i'm going to send it to your institution and get you kicked out basically um so extreme blackmail towards the end there she also demanded that i send back all the presents she sent me it was a very transactional relationship it was very much i'll spend i'll spend this amount on you you spend this amount on me it was very much we bought presents for each other a lot of the time and again being my first relationship i didn't know if it was right or wrong i i i was very naive very gullible i think in a way um she demanded that i send back all the presents she'd sent and my family despite the fact that they'd they'd seen they'd been at the forefront of all this sort of abuse i guess um they they still wanted dignity they still wanted it to end i guess with dignity so we all made sure to when we sent her the presents and stuff back we made sure to insulate it to send it in you know next day delivery things like that in all nice boxes properly labeled all of that all of that malarkey and in return she sent back an item which for me had a lot of sentimental and nostalgic value she sent it back um it had been slashed scratched with a knife it was literally in a bin bag and she'd labeled it with my name but she changed certain letters and stuff to actually make it something really really rude and and really sort of i guess from someone who you know i once cared about so much it it really sort of cut like a deep hole i guess that sort of sense of betrayal um in the following months after it ended um i had i routinely i routinely got weird signing attempts from addresses very close to where she lived um like on my on my gmail account things like that really unusual signing attempts and it honestly made me so paranoid um i went 2 weeks without eating i actually lost 5 kilograms but again extremely unhealthy and it was because she'd got rid of everything else in my life and she'd filled the gap so when she went i felt like there was nothing left i felt like a husk i felt very hollow like i'd no meaning no motivation you got to imagine as well i've lost all my hobbies all my interests I've lost a lot of friends. I think I came that out of that relationship. I think I may have mentioned it before. I went into it having zero people blocked on Instagram. I left it with 40 to 50 people blocked on my Instagram. Um there were definitely times when I was extremely extremely low. Um the problem with toxic relationships is that no relationship is 100% bad. You will probably have very happy and very positive memories with that person and if you combine that um with the very toxic attachment that you form with that person their love and affection 
can become very addictive. So when that's taken away, despite the fact that they've ruined you effectively, despite the fact that they've psychologically, sexually, emotionally, maybe even physically abused you, there are times when that almost means nothing because you are so addicted to to their attention. Um, there were definitely some low points after when I would spend whole nights, you know, sort of crying and, and in, in tears, distraught. Again, the odd panic attacks. Um, and as you can see, I, I went into a relationship in a very stable place mentally, extremely stable. I came out of it again, sort of literally a fraction of, of my previous stable self, um, having lost a lot, whereas obviously she came out of it with, with having lost. Um, barely anything at all really she probably actually gained some like I guess relationship experience <laughs> um but yeah it was a very very difficult time and um, what I would like to mention as well at this point is don't take any notice really <laughs> of what people post on Instagram all of the happy couples pictures and captions and stories that I ever posted most of them were during or after an argument or a fight that we'd had. And that, again, was a daily occurrence. I would usually post because I wanted to I wanted to get back in her good books. So I'd usually post, uh, you know, nice caption, nice picture, so that she would speak to me again, so that she wouldn't ignore me, so that I wouldn't feel guilty anymore and I'd feel like a good boyfriend. You know, really twisted in a way, really twisted. Um, I, I think it's, yeah, it'll be a good time to move on to the questions now and I'll try and incorporate more into those. Um, if anything else does come to mind to me about, again, about the relationship and, and the toxic aspects of it, I will definitely bring them up. Um, but yeah, the first question is how can you detect red flags and warning signs in a relationship? So I guess this one would be helpful for people who uh, perhaps yet to get into a relationship or people who have very limited sort of experience in terms of spotting, you know, those, those red flags. Because if this episode stops one person from getting into the same situation I did, I that would be more, I'll, I'll be so happy and so glad because it is literally a life-ruining experience. It's horrific. A toxic relationship is horrific. It's nothing to make jokes about, it's nothing to take lightly. And genuinely, like I said, a lot of my really close friends will attest to this. The toxic relationship that I went through literally ruined me. And it's taken a long time to get to the place where I am now, sort of happy to share it. Um, and, and, and hopefully try and help other people with it. But yeah, I'll say for this question, there's three main things to consider. The first thing is, family and friends. What do the people around you think of the relationship? Have they noticed any changes in you? Um, or do they have any concerns? I didn't listen to any advice. Um, if I had done, genuinely, this is a hard thought. If I had listened to the advice early on, I would never have got into that suicidal place where I was self-harming. Um, I should have listened. And anyone else who's starting to get into a relationship, please please, please, please listen to the advice of those around you. They know you. And when you're in a relationship, especially your first, you don't think straight at all. You're almost blinded 
by all this new attention, all this new care has come out of nowhere, you know, it's something really new and refreshing in a way. But you need to listen to your family and friends because they know best. Trust me, <laughs> they, they, they know best. The second thing is time. How much time are you spending with that person? Are they the one who's initiating all that time spent together? Are they demanding time from you that you'd usually spend with friends? If they are, that's definitely a big red flag to look out for. And I'll say lastly, how has a relationship impacted your hobbies and interests? We all have our hobbies. We have things that we're talented at. Um, we all have things that we're passionate about. Obviously, recently, mine has been podcast making. <laughs> but um, if that person is negatively impacting your own individual experience, doing your own hobbies and things like that, it's a big red flag and it's only going to get worse. There are a lot of other subtle red flags and there's some links that I'm going to give at the end of this episode, which will hopefully help you see those. But friends, time and hobbies, uh, uh, what would that be? FTC. There we go. Nice little acronym. Wait, FTC? No, FTH. There we go. <laughs> friends, time, hobbies. I don't know where I got the C from. But um, that's definitely the three things to look out for. This one's very interesting. How do you help a depressed partner feel motivated again? Now, as the person in the relationship who was, I guess, depressed, um, I would say what I needed was support. Instead, as I said before, all she said was she, she blamed me. She said that it made me less of a man. She actually did question. She said, are you a man at one time? Things like that. Very much questioning my masculinity. Um, simply because she had forced me into a place of awful mental health. So simply, if you've got a depressed partner, talk to them about it. Don't let it be something that gets hidden. Have open communication and be there to support them. Whether Even if you have to sacrifice... Like, even if you have to sacrifice a whole day or a whole week, or a whole month, or a whole year, to helping that person, um, I would say if you truly care for them, you truly love them, you, you will be there to support them, and you will know what to do. And if you don't know what, what you need to do for them, ask them. Don't blame them. None of what they're doing, they, they don't want to be depressed. They're not depressed to spite you. And and that's definitely the things that I heard. And I think if 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 you are saying any of that to them, you're being a very inconsiderate and, and unhelpful partner. Um, I know that comes across harsh, but generally as someone who was in a relationship who was being who was incredibly anxious, paranoid and depressed, um, not receiving that support was like the worst. It, it honestly was like a, a stab in the heart, you know, a stab in the back. I felt so betrayed. So just be there to support them. Your presence is 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 all they need. Next we have, what prevents men from being able to identify the toxic relationship like a woman might? Okay, again, interesting question. I don't think it's a question of whether men are able to identify toxic relationships. I think it's more so men not, will, not being willing to talk about it or discuss it. I think there's a lot of occasions, as we saw in the statistics, where men actually suffer at very similar rates of domestic violence, domestic abuse to women, it's just not as reported. I think 
there are many times in in that relationship when I felt I couldn't speak to people because I thought, well, I'm the man. Um, I I shouldn't be. I I uh, you know, people think that this relationship's going really well. I don't want to ruin that perception. I don't want people to think, oh, actually, there are things going wrong. Um, but I think women are, are really good at talking things through with each other and really good at opening up. I know that's a generalization, but that is also what the st- statistics show. Um, I think men, we need, we need more communication with each other. We need more openness because it's not, if you are a victim of psychological, sexual, emotional, physical abuse, whether it's at the hands of a male or a female partner, there's no shame in being a victim. And actually the strongest thing you can do as a man is to actually come forward forward and tell someone about it. What is the point in remaining silent and pushing things down? They're just going to boil over and you, you are going to probably become toxic yourself. Um, when we push things down, when we push insecurities and trauma down, they arise and they're usually aimed at other people. Simply because the individual is so annoyed and angry at themselves for not being able to get help that they then project that onto others. Um, so I would say for that question, men aren't necessarily prevented from being able to identify toxic relationships. I think it's more a question of men not being able to reveal or talk to others about their toxic relationships. Okay, and, and, and here we have another incredibly interesting question, one that I didn't even, you know, sort of even consider myself. What do you do if you think it's the if it's your friend or mate who is the manipulative or toxic one in a relationship? Wow, yeah. So um what would you do if you think it's your friend who is the manipulative one? I, I think that's a very deep question there. I, I think you always have to have the victim's well being in mind. Um, as I said, my toxic relationship really did push me to suicidal thoughts, vivid suicidal thoughts. Um, I'm very thankful that, of course, it didn't go further. But effectively, um, <coughs> sorry, I'd cough there. Effectively, a, every toxic relationship at some point will probably reach that point. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think you really have to have the victim's well-being in mind. Try and put yourself in their shoes try and it's it's an awful thought and and no one i guess i guess you you would not be directly linked but if you can clearly see signs of toxicity in one of your friends and then say that their partner can't take it anymore they can't take the abuse they can't take the gaslighting they can't take the manipulation they can't take it anymore and and they end their life how are you going to feel after that point you're of, of course you're going to feel, I should have said something. I could have said something, but I didn't. It's a harsh thought, and it's not nice to bring that guilt and shame upon yourself. But what I would say is, no matter how much you care for your friend, no matter how much you care for your friend, then you care for their partner. You need to put the, you need to step into the partner's shoes. You could be their only lifeline, their only helpline. Um, you need to have a frank 
conversation with your friend. Uh, you need to approach the subject carefully. I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't just call them and go straight into it. I would probably ease into the conversation, have a catch up, just like usual, and then maybe start asking questions about the relationship. That can be in one call or over a number of calls, but you really just, you really, really just need to have the well-being of the victim in mind. Okay, so next we have, was it hard taking yourself out of the abusive and toxic relationship? Um, I was never really in control, so I wouldn't say that I ever actually took myself out of that relationship. Um, simply, like I said, when it came down to it, I was given, strangely enough, one of the only times relationship I was actually given a choice. I was given a choice between her or a family member. Just to make a quick point on that, if you're ever asked to choose someone else or the person you're going out with, that's extremely toxic. You should never have to make that decision. There should be enough, enough trust in the relationship um, that that you would, you, you know, you'd make the right decision. And, and actually as well, you really shouldn't feel forced to choose between people. Um, what I would say is it, it was extremely difficult because I felt a real sort of bond um, to this person, a real connection. And she also did make me think that I would never find anyone, I would never have that same connection with anyone else. Like I think I mentioned before, she would always say, you'll never find someone better than me, you'll never find another woman who will treat you as well as I will, and things like that. Of course they're all lies. And just looking at how my mental health has deteriorated, it was entirely the opposite of that. Um, I, I think if you are trying to get out of a toxic relationship, please just think about yourself think about how you were before the relationship was life better back then did you have more freedom um you really need to put yourself first because there will be someone else there will be someone else who truly understands you and love isn't about control love isn't about spending time with someone necessarily it's about giving freedom it's about sacrificing I guess it's about sacrificing your selfish desires for the other person. It's about giving them space and time. It's about letting them grow as an individual. Um, you're not you're not bound to anyone. You're not a, you're you're not necessarily accountable to anyone. It's your life. It's your choice. And if you're in a toxic relationship, an abusive relationship, it is extremely hard. And, and I'm I'm telling you, the first six months after are going to be so difficult but it's worth it. It really is worth it in the long run. If your life is being negatively affected by another person, you really need to put yourself first. But again, to answer that question really briefly, it it was probably the hardest thing getting out of that relationship. And for many, in many ways, even after three months of counselling, even after a really, a really supportive um even even after many meetings with all of my supportive friends, um, a lot of care and a lot of and and a lot of support from them, like I said, a lot of encouragement. Even after all that, I I still sometimes have episodes where I I I'm just gripped in fear and paranoia, um, 
And so, yeah, the process of getting out of a toxic relationship definitely doesn't end at the breakup. It can continue for a long time after that. And that's why you need time to heal. That's why you need time um, to work on yourself. And that's why you need time to really rediscover yourself and get back to where you are. There's, there's, there's no shame in being single. There's no shame in being on your own for a period of time so that you can truly work on yourself. And it is so much better being single and, and thriving than it is to be in a toxic relationship, no matter what society tells you. Um, lastly, how can you get help if you're in a toxic relationship? Um, I mentioned them before, but I think we can start off with free links. So men's advice line, that's HTTPS colon slash slash mensadviceline.org.uk. We then have Mankind, which is HTTPS colon slash slash www.mankind.org.uk. And then also Refuge. So that's HTTPS colon dash dash www.refuge.org.uk dash get help now dash help for men. And that was quite a lot to take in. I'll probably put those links in the caption just to make it a lot easier. But that's men's advice line, mankind, and then also the help for men section on refuge. Now these websites can offer professional advice, expert advice, advice that I could probably never offer on this episode. I would strongly, strongly recommend if you're seeking help, go to these helplines. I had to call Samaritans a few times during this relationship and shortly after um, because there were certain times my mental health got really low and um, I am so thankful to the volunteers who work at you know Mind and Samaritans and other charities, other mental health charities because they really, really, they really, really do help, um, especially in really, really low points. So yeah, I'd say definitely head over to one of those websites or another website that you find is helpful um, to get professional advice on how to get out of a toxic relationship. Um, I would say also friends and especially close friends are integral Again, you're not out of a toxic relationship at the breakup necessarily because the mental abuse and the psychological abuse will, will stay with you. Um, and you need to deal with that to get through it. I would say meeting up after a relationship has ended. I know it's difficult right now because of COVID. Meet up with as many friends as you can. Keep your, keep strengthen your social context that have weakened. I was so lucky that all of the people that I hurt because of the toxic relationship, I, well, I, I wouldn't say I hurt, but all the people, uh, all the relationships that had weakened, all the friendships that had weakened because of this relationship, I made sure, I made it my goal to go back and try and heal. Um, that family, I, I may have mentioned, but that, the family were extremely racist. They were extremely conservative. They said things such as, if the ref if refugees come over in dinghies, um, shoot them. Things like that. Really harmful, really hurtful, really weird comments. Um, and because of that, I was definitely posting things on Instagram which were offending a lot of people. And I made sure after the relationship ended to try my best to reach out to those people, to 
profusely apologize and also try and give an explanation of why I was feeling I almost felt forced to post those things there was times when um like I said she would write messages for me and 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 sort of make me send them to people and she would also post a story and then say why aren't you posting it you should post this you need to post this if if not why why not a lot of questions being asked um so I would say definitely definitely confide in your close friends tell someone they're the two most important words of this whole episode tell someone um and i uh, like i've said if if you need someone who you know's been in a toxic relationship honestly feel free to message me um whether it's on on instagram whatsapp whatever if you don't have my number or instagram it is underscore luke brand and all I can say is my messages are always open because I have so much time to try and help people and prevent people from getting into this situation. It is the worst thing that a human can, one of the worst things a human can experience. Um, I'll say, thirdly, the third thing in terms of getting help is get a counsellor. I've had many times when I've not wanted a counsellor, when I've put off getting a counsellor, because I don't want help, you know. <laughs> we as men, we don't want help. We don't need help. We can do this on our own. Account, my counsellor helped me look from the perspective, from both a medical and psychological perspective, but also from a non-biased overall perspective. He allowed me to actually realise that I was a victim, that I was not the one, in, I was not the one um, causing this pain. It was actually the other person. And he, he taught me how to let that go, how to come up with coping mechanisms when things got really hard, but then in a long-term sense, how to actually deal with all the burdens and packages and, and packaged trauma that had been built up because of this relationship. Um, counselors also really help you sort of let let it go, I guess, and, and move on. So yeah, to get help, please try those links, talk to someone and also get a counsellor. There's no weakness in getting a counsellor. Again, it's one of the strongest things you can do. So yeah, I, I, I do hope that I can do another episode in this mini-series, I guess. Because, yeah, in a way, I, I, I just really hope this has I really hope this has helped people out there. I think there's more to be said on this subject. Um thank you for your brilliant questions. I'm sorry if there are any that anyone offered that I didn't answer. Um I answered them purely on the basis of the ones which I think which I thought would um cover sort of the broadest subjects and then also there were some which are very similar to each other which I sort of incorporated into one question but yeah again please feel free to share this one-off episode with anyone you know who could be in a toxic relationship it's horrific and I haven't even shared all of the uh, incidences that sort of occurred during that relationship I've tried to be as open and frank as I can be um, but like I said your your struggle is entirely valid and i i just really hope that this helps some people out there um because again it was literally the worst thing i could have experienced and i've never wished that on my sort of gravest enemy um but yeah thank you for listening and once again i like i said my my messages are open and please make sure if you are in a toxic relationship you talk to someone um you use expert help and and you get you get counseling 
Um, but yeah, again, I hope this was helpful and I guess I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.